All right. Hello and welcome. Hope you are having a great day out there. Very happy and excited to be joined today by Oi Ami Kalima'at, who is also my dear friend and serves with me at the IYTA here at Yogaville. And uh, I call uh, Oi Ami Ami for short, so that's how I'll be referring, be referring to her. And a little bit about uh, Ami and her practice. So Ami is a body-oriented psycho-spiritual health healing coach. She is the founder and creator of Somatic Activation Release Response, Embodied Wisdom of Sensuality, and Body Liberation Dance. Ami dedicates herself to practicing yoga, meditation, breath work, attuning and looking to nature for guidance. Through developing mind-body awareness, studying body-oriented psychotherapy, and somatic healing, she developed a body-based modality that is accessible to all. Born and raised in West Africa, Ami spent most of her childhood in community gatherings of musicians, drummers, and dancers. Listening and dancing to music became a foundation for her life. Through her own expression, she began incorporating dance and movement for emotional alchemy to be able to understand ways she could express and release. Her teachings are a direct result of her own journey and lived experience. She offers coaching and guidance for individuals and groups dealing with issues including trauma, sexual abuse, childhood wounds, shame, grief, addiction, and life transitions. Mm. So there's a lot there. I usually don't read such a long bio, but I, I just really found it to be full and you're doing so much. Um, I want to start with this question though. It's kind of a big one, oh, uh, go ahead. but it'll, it'll open us up. What have you found really matters to you in life and living? Oh, and it's kind of a cliche because it's like, the foundation of our yoga practice, but is to be of service to others. As I look at my own journey and look at everything that I've experienced in life, I have come to the conclusion that the pain that I went through, the struggles that I went through, everything that I went through was not about me. It was for me to go through those challenges. It was for me to go through those obstacles to be able to understand how to be available for those that are seeking help, for those that are seeking um, healers, for those that are seeking for us as, as humans to be available. So for me, the best way I can answer that question is to be of service to others because that is what makes me do the things that I'm doing. It's what makes me keep doing the practice. It's what keeps me... It's what makes me stay open to receiving because in order for me to give, I have to be able to receive. So yeah, I, that's, that's, that's what it comes down to, to be of service to others. Would you say that that was um, something that was discovered or for you for a long time when, like when you were a child, did you realize that you had a passion to serve? Um. <clears throat> I, I would definitely say that it was something that um, I discovered um, probably even before I started my healing journey. Um, I could remember back in 2016 when I was doing my um, when I was doing my 200 hour teacher training. I could remember I have moments where I wanted to give up. I could remember where I have moments of just feeling so challenged and not really understanding um, the purpose of doing this. And I just remember telling myself, you're not doing this for you. You're doing this so that one day you can tell your story. There is a child out there who is waiting to hear your story so that they can feel that life is not so bad, so that they can believe in hope, so that they can believe that they too can have the strength and the willpower to fight through any challenges that life 
might have brought them or they have, they might have experienced in life. So I would say right around 20, 2015, 2016, when I began my yoga journey and when I began my healing healing practice, I think that thought of I'm not doing this for me, I'm doing this so I can be of service to others, that thought is what kept me going. That thought is what kept me not wanting to give up because I started my journey because I read someone's story and their story inspired me to take action. So I know that there's someone out there who's waiting to hear my story so that they too can get motivated and be inspired to take a journey and take charge of their own life. So it's definitely a process of discovery um, that brought me to that conclusion of being available and to be of service to others. Mm. Can you describe that shift in you right around four or five years ago? You said like, how does that feel in your body Mm. now when the focus has changed to there might be people out there that if they hear my story and what I have to offer, that can really serve them and change their lives in the same way that others have done for me. Mm. Coming to understand that and and maybe the, the purpose of your life to change, how does that feel? Mm. I mean, the best way I can describe it um, I get um it it kind of it, it's like this energy thing inside of me it that thought just brings so much light and so much love and so much fulfillment inside of me and it's just like and I remember even saying to myself I don't want to do this work for money I don't want to do this work to get rich I just want to do this work to help others and that thought of wanting to help others just fills you up in a way that I don't even know if there is a word to describe how it feels inside. It's just like the best way I can describe it is like a, it's like a energy of light that's just like bubbles inside of me. And it's just, it's just like propels me forward each time and just shifts and pushes me forward each time. Um, and I guess that's why in yoga, when we talk about um, karma yoga being of service to others. I guess there's so much there's so much power behind it because when you take yourself outside of the equation, when you take your ego outside of the equation, the only thing that's left is just availability. You know, is I, I mean, I don't I don't I don't know if I can describe it. It just it feels good, but not in a way of 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 being selfish. It feels good because. Because you're not selfish. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's, it's like, it's just, it's like, I, it's like a, a deep knowing of, of understanding this is part of my life's purpose. This is part of my soul's purpose, you know. I was given, I, I, I took this birth, I took this life to, to, to do this, you know, and to come to the conclusion of, of, of saying my life's purpose is to give to others is so profound and so it leaves you speechless. I don't I don't know what else to say. It's just it just it just makes me feel good inside. It just really does make me feel good inside. So me too. And you know, I think why it does is kind of the point that, that you're making is that you're no longer there. The work itself, the importance of the work that needs to be done. Yeah. For human beings, for the planet is so beyond our ego or <laughs> our image, anything yeah. like that. And it's almost like a realigning back to what makes more sense. And yeah. I become free of that part, that fear, that, that, that worry about my standing. It's like, yeah. Yeah. it's like when there's an emergency, you know, and someone needs, needs your help. Like all of a sudden that you're not worrying about, you know, you're not being self-conscious. You're just doing what needs to be done in that moment. And I'm very interested if we can just generally live more in that kind of spirit, that kind of attitude, because the work is that important. Like there are children out there that, you know, really could use our help and doesn't have to feel necessarily overwhelming for just to to decide whatever it is that you want to improve and make better, 
you get to decide what that thing is. It's like, okay, I'm going to focus on that. And that's going to be my work. Um, Do you think that kind of every human being has this inside of themselves that they have kind of a call to, to serve. And it's just a matter of kind of discovering that. Absolutely. That's, that's another conclusion. Um, That's another conclusion I arrived to is every single human being on planet earth. We're all here to be of service to each other. Now, whether we do it selflessly or whether we do it selfishly, we are being of service to others. And I remember like I, <laughs> some examples that I would think about. It's like, even if you think about people that make water bottles, right? They are being of service to humans because now we have water bottles and we can carry our water anywhere we go. And when we are thirsty, we can use it. You know, anything, I mean, computers, anything that is man-made, it's man-made to be of service to humans, right? So if you look at, if you look at it from that perspective, Everything that we're doing is to help each other, right? And it just depends on how you go about it, the intention that you have about it. You know, you can do it and be greedy about it and say, well, if I give, I have to receive back, you know? Or you can just say, I'm just going to do it because I know this is what I am here to do. This is part of my service to the world. And then I'm just going to give and just receive whatever the universe brings back to me. So again, whether is done self selflessly or whether it's done selfishly. Um, at the end of the day, everything that we do as humans um, is to be of service to each other, mm. no matter from what point you look at it. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned money before, and I actually talking about this, I think in a way money <laughs> might really be an obstacle toward mm. coming to this realization yeah. Um, you know, not because it's bad or evil, but it just, I think about the, you know, someone who's making water bottles, like you said, <laughs> you know, okay, now what is my reason? Am I right. making this, these water bottles because it can help people to, right. you know, be able to carry their water or am I making it, if I'm making them just to make money. And right. when I make the money, when I have the money, Why do I want to have the money? Like just to like get a bunch of nice things or do I want to have the money so I can do more things that will serve more people? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, that person has to, you know, they have to set their intention and, and figure out on their own why they are doing what they want to do. Um, But yeah. And part of the reason why I mentioned money is because this is, and I think um, I did a YouTube video about a platform that I recently created. And I talked about this in the video, um, you know, looking back in my own healing journey early on, um, I, I, I got to a place with, with, um, with myself where there was so much desperation for wanting to find tools and resources um, to be able to navigate all the thoughts, all the craziness that I was going through. And I remember being in such a desperate need, searching for somebody, something, anything that would kind of just help me navigate those dark moments and dark periods of my life. And, um, you know, the few, I don't trust people very often, uh, but the few people that I was able to find within my healing community and I trusted, um, I have reached out to them and be like, hey, you know, this is what's going on with me. I'm struggling through a lot and I just need somebody to talk to. And like, I don't even need you to tell me do X, Y, and Z. I think I was just filled with so much emotion that I just wanted somebody to just listen. And, you know, the few people that I went to, it's like, well, you know, I charge this much. I, you know, if we do this, it's going to be this much. Again, which is fine. Um, we live in a world of energy exchange. If I do X, you know, you pay me Y, whatever. Um, you know, I have, I don't have anything against people asking for money for their service, but I think there's definitely need to be a level of compassion and understanding that not everybody that comes to you would have the financial capacity 
to be able to pay you $150 or to be able to pay you $200 for your service. And for me, it boils down to if you were able to come across such an individual, how are you going to take your gift that has been bestowed upon you by the divine to be of service to others, whether they have the money or not? So for me, this idea of I don't really care about money, like I charge for my service, but if somebody comes to me and say, hey, Ami, I don't have $150. I don't even have $20. I have done one-on-one um, practices with people where I charge them no money because to me, it's not about the money. It's about the service that I'm here to do. So through my own experience, I understand um, how money can be such a huge hindrance to provide people with the necessary tools and resources to help them in their own journey. So, um, yeah, that's, that is, uh, that's, that's, that's big for me, the whole money thing. I try not to talk about it. Like I said, you know, you and I talked about this in the office, you know, we live in a world where you have to pay your bills, right? You have to put a roof over your head. You have to keep your house nice and warm and cozy. You know, I understand all of that and I have no judgment towards anybody that charges $500 even um, for their service. But I think deep down inside, we all need to understand that not everybody have the economic and um, financial capacity to be able to afford such a thing. And there needs to be a way to make yourself available also to those who are not able to um, pay you $150 or $500. So that's just a conclusion that I came to just based on my own personal experience. So, yeah. I want to ask you about your uh, silent practice, <laughs> uh, practice of mana, right? Yeah. Because, okay, so we both live uh, here <laughs> at Yogaville at the ashram. And I think one of the, the coolest parts uh, is that it's totally acceptable to wear a tag that says observing silence and everyone knows you're observing silence. So um, people tend to give you that space or, or not ask you questions. And uh, Ami uh, wears the tag a lot. So <laughs> I want to ask, you know, why, why do you make that choice? And, and, and what, what do you learn from that, from that experience? Mm. I don't even know. I don't even remember exactly what prompted me to start my um, silent practice. But what I do know is when I am in silence, I am more in tune. Um, my awareness expands more. Um, it's like those really, really subtle aspects of myself. I can be in tune with that and truly understand what's happening from, I, I almost want to say from a cellular level, because I can really get so in tune and drop so deeply inside my body that I can feel everything. Like I can, I can hear my heartbeat. I can hear my thoughts. I can hear how energy is moving through my body. Um, I can, I can see things around me and see how things are moving and shifting, I can almost sense what other people are thinking. So the practice for me is to allow me to get so quiet that I can hear those internal voices those, those, and be in tune with those subtle aspects of myself that otherwise when I'm talking or when I'm distracting, I don't get to see or listen to. So my my silence my silence practice has become so powerful that when i actually don't do it for a long time on an energetic level i can actually feel the shift in my body because talking is a process of having to think first before the words come out so thoughts are energy and speaking them out also takes energy so it's like when I don't do the practice, I could literally feel my energy depleting. I could feel my body getting tired. I could feel my mind getting almost like jumbled up. It's like my it's like my world start to like 
kind of shake a little bit. It's like things become a little fuzzy. Um, so for me, the practice of Mauna is 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 a practice that I absolutely recommend for everyone to do. You don't have to do it as much as I do, like go a whole week, but definitely maybe once a week um, to definitely practice. But it's a practice that has allowed me to just be so in tune with myself that like I I'm. I, I'm actually speechless because it's almost like you're standing, like literally like the thing they say in yoga, it's like you're in a movie theater and everything is happening on the screen and you're just the audience kind of just watching. It's almost like that, ex- that experience. It's like internally I have completely stepped back and I'm kind of just watching my physical body interacting in the physical world and I'm not a part of it, you know, and I can see that clearly. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a powerful and a beautiful practice and I enjoy doing it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah the the um the aspects of it that you're uh that you're pointing at is um in terms of energy and yeah. the amount of energy <clears throat> that it takes to you know have conversation to just even be listening to a lot of inputs to watching tv and listening to the radio and all that it seems like it's not kind of commonly accepted that all of that takes energy. Yeah. I mean, everything takes energy in a way, but like those take more energy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what <laughs> happens when we're not using energy like that? Like what's that? That's the shift that you're, you're describing, like tuning into this other part of myself, this, uh, this awareness that, that is amazing. Right. And, and it's always accessible yeah. and it's, it's as if we forget that, that, <laughs> that it can be like that. Right. Yeah. Or we don't know how much better it can be in a way sometimes or different maybe is more appropriate word. Um, yeah. And something that you said that I forgot to mention is this idea of um, <clears throat> the listening part too. Cause when you're not having to constantly be engaging in a conversation, you can actually listen. And, and, you know, being that I live in a community, um, especially when we're in the dining hall, um, you know, you can, I, I can always hear people's conversation, right? And it's like, in this moment, I am not part of this conversation. So how can I just listen? Not just listening to the words, but like really listen and understand what is being said, right? And another thing that the practice also has taught me is sometimes when I'm serving, right, um, I will hear people talk about a topic, you know, and this is a topic that maybe perhaps I know a lot about, or this is a topic maybe perhaps I am passionate about, or it maybe it's a topic that I don't know anything about, and I'm really interested in finding more about it. So I hear someone next to me <laughs> talking about this topic, and my first instinct, right, is to like want to jump in the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. But having that awareness in the moment to just be like, no, how can I allow myself to just sit here and just be a listener and don't be a part of this conversation, but just listen, no matter how, how deeply the urge is, but to just let myself just be, right? And I think as humans, we, we can be so instinctive and so reactive that one thing happens and another thing happens and we don't give ourselves that space. You know, to kind of just be like, oh, instead of reacting, let me just step back. Let me just allow. Let me just be. Let me just see what happens. So I think that's another thing, too, that I've learned from practicing silence is to not be so reactive and to just sometimes just step back and allow yourself to find your breath and maybe even give yourself a day or two and give your time, give yourself time to process and see through the, through the, um, through the, practice of giving yourself the space, um, you know, kind of just listening and seeing what are, what are, what are some things that are coming up, what are some things that are arising. So that's the part of the practice that I find so funny. And I find myself laughing at myself a lot because I'm just like, ah, I want to know more about this. But then I'm like, oh no, I'm just going to sit here and just listen. <laughs> right. And well, then you see your, your tendencies, right? Yeah, exactly. That's how you, you can grow. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me think yeah. of just discipline. 
and yes, exactly. Discipline, and we can choose like, okay, I've, I've decided that I'm going to be silent here. So although I have that like immediate gut reaction to like, okay, I'm going to jump into this yeah. conversation. Um, no, wait a second. You kind of make a commitment. Um, yeah. But it's like the, it's the self, it's the self care component that I really hear you saying. Um, it's like taking, um, kind of guardianship, I would mm. say over yourself as if you're your own like safekeeper yeah. and stepping yeah. into that role. Like what is best for a me? Like mm-hmm. you're the one who's in a way taking care of her. So what yeah. does she need? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Honor thyself. Right. Um, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, meditation. Uh, I want to ask you about that because I know you have a strong practice and I think it's, it can be intimidating Mm. to people who don't have a practice, that word, um, and just getting started and how to start out. Would you have any recommendations for, for someone who's kind of wanting to develop a meditation practice, um, but they're not sure how exactly? Um, I think you are right in, in saying that, you know, that word meditation can be very um, intimidating for a lot of people. Um, I have friends and even family members, um, a.k.a. my little sister. <laughs> um, and, you know, they will say things like, I can concentrate. Um, when I sit down to quiet my mind, like, it's just, it gets crazy. Like, my mind just goes off, da 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 da, da. And... I think we just live in a society where we have meditate, where we have made meditation this very formal, um, regimented um, practice. You know, you have to find a quiet place, you have to sit a certain way, you have to do X, Y, and Z. And I always tell people, yes, that is one aspect of practicing meditation, but Meditation is anything that has your total awareness, that has where you are completely, not like one pointed focus. So if you are a dancer and you love dancing, when you are dancing, when you are in tune with your body, when you are in tune with the music and you start moving, you're not thinking about your grocery list. You're not thinking about, oh, when I go home, I have to clean my house. You are completely present in that moment and allowing that energy of movement to move through your body. That in itself is meditation, right? If you like to read, right, when you are reading a good novel, that novel takes your whole entire attention. You are in the practice of meditation right then and there. You might not see it as meditation, but it's meditation. If you like to run, that in itself is meditation. There's so many things I think we all do on a daily basis, whether you're a meditation practitioner, a yoga practitioner, whether you're a healer, it doesn't matter. I think meditation is a practice that we, every single human being does on a daily basis, but we don't realize that we're doing it. Because throughout the day or throughout the week, I guarantee you that you are doing something that has your complete and total focus. And everything else just all the outside distraction just falls away because in that moment, the only thing that matters is that thing that you are doing. And that right there is a meditation practice. But for those people that are interested in doing, you know, your formal meditation practice, I started my meditation practice um, laying down um, because I didn't have a strong body to sit. Um, I started to get really fidgety and really tired and I get really annoyed. <laughs> so I started, I started my meditation practice laying down and listening to um, guided meditation audio. Because again, I had a very um, crazy mind. My, my mind was an autopilot, like in terms of with thoughts and just exhausting energy, you know. So for me, just trying to go into silent meditation, sitting upright, that just was not... Um, at that moment was not for me because I was so new in the practice that I just didn't want to jump into doing something that um, I wasn't ready for. So I took baby steps. I started with guided meditations. Um, there's tons of videos on YouTube 
um, I would do that for like five to ten minutes with my headphones laying down. Um, sometimes I will do sometimes I will do visualizations, um, and eventually from um, laying down, I transition to sitting down on a chair. Um, and then from sitting down on a chair, I gradually made it um, to the floor using cushions and um, started to do the traditional meditation. But I will say, all you need is five to ten minutes a day. You can do it laying down. You can do it sitting seated on a chair. You can do it seated on a meditation cushion. Just find what works for you. And if you're a beginner, I strongly recommend starting out with guided meditation because they really do help you to just really quiet down the mind because that guided voice just allows you to just drop deeper and deeper into your awareness. So, And then from there, you know, just allow it to go wherever it needs to go. Hmm. So when you mentioned the the one-pointed focus and the, all the different activities that kind of bring you into the state of meditation, whether you're dancing or reading a book or cooking or playing a sport, maybe. Yeah. What what I hear there uh, that's a common thread is, is love. Yes. That when you love what you're doing, there's no, what do I have to do later? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, that that's yeah. just, that's just gone. So yeah. I guess my inquiry a little bit, can I, can I say before I start, like, I'm going to set an intention to mm. love, like I'm going to set an intention to love yeah. my meditation. Yeah. 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 That's, you have to love it. Right. Because if you're doing something that you don't love, chances are you will not find the space to be one, one, um, to be one pointed because then in the moment of doing it, you, number one, you will not allow yourself to be present and you're going to nitpick the whole experience, you know, because the fact that you don't like doing it, everything is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. I don't like that. I don't like this. So just right then and there, it's like the mind is already like too involved. So yes, absolutely. I think setting the right intention and loving what you're doing. I think those are two very important ingredients for sure. Yeah. Hmm. All right, so now I want to turn to uh, dancing, <laughs> body liberation, because I know this is what you love. This is this is your passion. So, Whoa. you know, I, I think I'm just just by knowing you and and reading a bit about what you what you do and experiencing some of it myself through sacred movement, specifically regarding like trauma mm. and I don't know, experiencing freedom. I'd say maybe we all have some kind of trauma or a stiffness or whatever it is, but getting to the place of, of freedom. What is, what is the, the, um, the role that, that dance and movement uh, play in, in helping us with that? Ooh. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> My mind is tingling just thinking about it. Oh, I mean, you know, you, you had talked about how I, I have a strong meditation practice, and I do. But the one thing that I would say is if, if movement, if I, hadn't, if I hadn't invited my body in my process of healing, I wouldn't have a strong meditation practice. I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have the level of revelation, the level of connectedness, the level of understanding what all of this is if if I hadn't invited my body into the process. And I think <clears throat> what a lot of people in the Western culture, what we don't understand is throughout the day, we move through so many different levels of emotion. We go through roller coasters of emotion on any given moment. And all those emotions are stuck in our body. Every thought that we think about, every, every minute, tiny little thought we think about, the body has a memory of it. Every little tiny emotion that you experience, your body has a memory of it. And all of that is stored in your body, right? So... The importance of moving your body to release this held emotion is so profound that I think 
part of the reason why most people don't do it because we are afraid to feel, right? Because for so many people, there's so much pain and hurt associated with feeling that we rather contract, we rather hold, we rather suppress than to allow ourselves to feel. Feeling takes tremendous amount of vulnerability. Mm. Feeling takes completely releasing control. And it's so hard for people, myself included, in this category for a long time, right, to release this idea of control that we have because that control is what's allowing us to feel safe. So you're telling me to, to let go of the control is telling me that I need to show up in a way where that safety that I have, I have to let go of that. And the moment we do that, our whole entire nervous system goes into fight or flight. Because we're contracting and holding so much and trying to, try, trying to protect ourselves. That when we go through the process of opening and allowing, like the first thing that kicks in is like, oh my God, I can do this. I have to protect myself. Oh no, 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 I can do this. I can do this. And then we clamp back up again and we shut and close everything back up again. Um, I believe you, were, you might have wanted to say something. Yeah, I was just thinking uh, about safety. Yeah. And it seems like a sh- like although um you might be accomplishing your your goal by not giving yourself that freedom and releasing to that in the moment of like okay, I'm going to be safe. Ultimately, on kind of the longevity path of my life, I think I'm I'm making myself less safe. Yeah. By not and, and that's a way for that the mind can kind of overcome that trepidation perhaps that by doing this, by releasing, um, I, I'm going to heal. I have yeah. the potential to heal. And yeah. by healing my life, my being is going to be a lot safer than it was when I wasn't healed. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's somewhat of a, it's somewhat, it's somewhat of a paradox for sure. You know, because it's like the thing that you want to, you want to do, you know, in order to, um, inviting healing but it's also the thing that you're scared to do because it's like if i do this what does that mean like the 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 other side of the unknown is also what keeps us um from not allowing you know so i am definitely very thankful i think um being from a culture where dancing is so welcome movement is so welcome and it's not something um, there's no judgment tied around movement or dancing, you know, and my friends and I were just talking about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, like twerking is a dance back home <laughs> and grown women with kids and family. We go to these women's gatherings and women's are dancing in the middle of the circle twerking, but no one is pointing their fingers at them, judging them or telling them this or that or that. It's just, it's just part of the experience. And I think when we live in a culture where the experience is sticking out and judgment comes in, it also limits people to be fully expressive in their body because we're so concerned about what do we look like when we move that we can even enjoy the process of moving and enjoy the process of expression, you know. And for me, one of the some of the work that I had to do in my own healing is to get to this place of, I don't give a fuck, excuse my language. <laughs> but I had to, for my own, um, <clears throat> for my own sanity and to give myself opportunity to finally be free of societal judgment, I mm. had to allow myself to get to that place. I had to tell myself, number one, I live in this body. There's nothing I can do that will change my physiology. I don't even have the capacity. This is the body I was born into, the environment that I was born into, I cannot change. The culture that I was born into, I cannot change. There's so much that I cannot, that that was not up to me. So why worry about the things that I cannot change? Rather, I need to accept them. And through accepting them, was I able to show up and show up in a way that's authentic, show up in a way that was truthful to me, show up in a way where I'm just like, I don't care if you like me, if you don't like me, I don't care if you think I am too this or too that. 
I don't care <laughs> because as long as I find my self-worth, as long as I found my self-love, self-love within me, as long as I understand and know who I am, your words cannot harm me. It's only if I care about what you think, what you say, would I give you so much power that I have to live my life in a way where it has to meet your standards. I have to care. But if I don't care, then your words mean nothing to me. You know? Yeah, and uh, going back to how we started the conversation regarding service, if yeah. I'm going to help those people that could use my help, I need to shed these layers in order right. to do it. Exactly. If, if I don't shed, if I'm so concerned about my right. image, and other people, right. exactly. I can't step into that place and serve. Exactly. So how serious am I taking that service? Exactly. You Exactly. I mean, for, uh, for me to show up and ask other people to be vulnerable and ask other people to open up, I have to be an example of that. Mm. I have to show up what it feels like to be vulnerable. I have to show up what it feels like to release control. I have to show up and say, I don't know what the next moment is going to bring, but I want to be in right, right here, right now. I want to believe that everything is okay. And whatever the next moment brings, I will do my darnest to be okay with that too. Because at the end of the day, I don't have any control over it. Mm. You know? So what I, what I find so beautiful and so amazing about, this process of, of the evolution of our awareness is these, these gems of wisdom that um, I think yoga talks about, you know, these, these gems of like deep, profound wisdom, I realized they don't come from reading a book, right? They don't come from talking, right? Again, going back to silence. They come in the moments of silence because it's like all of the sudden it's like you see the dots connecting. You see A connecting to B, connecting to C. And it's like this mind blowing moment where you are like, oh, my God, I get it now. Like, I get it. Like, I get it. And I find that these moments come when we are in this place of of letting go of surrendering of being present of just allowing and just being you know because when you're trying so hard you lose sight of these little gems of wisdom that are available to you you know so oof, i love it <laughs> that makes me you make me think of uh of of that maybe we are going about our service in not the most effective way all the time because we're like kind of shoving truth down other people's throats mm. when they might not be ready for it. Read this right. book, do this thing, right? as opposed to this um, other kind of deeper understanding that people need to discover what they're going to discover uh, in their own time. And so yeah. therefore maybe instead shifting to just creating a, a container yeah. where in this container, maybe someone has the opportunity to evolve and see truth as they quiet their mind. Maybe they don't, that's okay too. But I, I kind of think that that would be a more effective model. Yeah. There's so much. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just, <laughs> I just, my insights are like just all bubbly right now. Um, <laughs> there's, Oh my God, Avi, I just, there's just so much, um, you know, there are certain things that make me get really emotional. And one of those things is I wish, and to your point, obviously we all, we, we all get to this point of, of understanding what all of this is about on our own, right? Through the process of discovery. But there's this part of me deep down inside that I'm just like, man, I wish I can just show every human being that's suffering right now what this place feels mm. like, what it feels like to just allow yourself to just be, what it feels like to just drop in, what it feels like to just, even to feel the pain, right? Because part of, again, <clears throat> Part of the resistance is not wanting to feel the pain, but just 
if you allow yourself to feel the pain in the process of allowing there's something that happens to the pain right that pain gets turned into love and it's not the type of love that's like i love my partner or i love my parents or i love my community it's like this deep gut feeling that reverberates through your whole entire system and it's just like it's like there's nothing in this world that can take that away and that's mm. the truth you know it's just oh, there are just yeah I, again i know we I, we cannot walk anyone's path for them you know we all have to walk our path and get to you know whatever you know our first destination is our second destination third destination fourth destination wherever we're going right we have to walk that path and then along the path we gain these gems of wisdom you know we cannot do the work for anybody but sometimes there's just part of me deep down inside that i was just like i wish i can just just maybe for a moment just give this to someone so they can just experience and know what it feels like to to know that it's okay you know, and I was doing a session with someone and, <clears throat> you know, I, I was asking them, um, what are you noticing in your body right now? You know, and they were like, just a lot of resistance, you know, mm. and I was asking them, where is this resistance coming from? You know, and again, it goes back to the fear of being vulnerable, you know, the fear of not want to be seen, right? The fear of, <clears throat> excuse me, being judged, you know? The fear of, I don't know what it will feel like if I let go. The fear of the unknown, right? And I shared my practice with this person, you know? I was like, well, what I used to do is for this moment right now, with this one second, two second, three second, five second, but for right now, I am just going to imagine and embody that everything in my life is perfect. And this is a practice I have done on my for myself. You know, sometimes when things get so bad and so overwhelming, I'll just tell myself, everything that I fear doesn't exist. Everything that I worry about doesn't exist. Everything is perfect in my life. Like, perfect. Like, there's nothing to worry about. Like, everything that I desire, everything that I want, I have it. And when I allow myself to imagine these things and embody them, everything dissolves. It's like, it's like the heaviness, the weight, the tension, the pain. It's like everything just melts away. And for that moment, I just allow myself to just be in that place. And I'm like, even when I come out of this place, you know, the pain might still be there. The worry might still be there. The fear might still be there. You know, the false sense of control might be there. Everything might be there. But for right now, in this moment, I'm just going to pretend like none of that exists. None of it. And it's a practice that I truly recommend for people to do. Because it just allows you to see the possibility of what life could be like if all these things that we're holding on to, if we truly just release all of them and just allow all of them to just fall away from our consciousness. Just, they don't exist no more. Just be, you know, that being is like... Ah! <laughs> you, know? you know, but like I said... You know, when I when I come out of that experience, everything else is there waiting for me. But in that moment, I allow myself to have that, you know. And then again, over and over and over and over and over again, and eventually you realize that the worry, the fear, none of it is real. Because I'm still alive, right? And I don't have these worries, but everything is okay. So... I don't have to carry this fear with me. I don't have to carry these worries with me. I don't have to. So in that moment, how could you allow yourself to 
have a, uh, 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 <clears throat> a sense of agency with your body where not only do you feel safe in your body, but also to feel safe in your environment by allowing yourself in this moment to just be and let even let go of not knowing what it feels like to not know, right? Just practice that and just see what that feels like. You know, and in that moment, everything changes and everything shifts for her. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I have much to say after that. That uh, that could be a good place for us um, to end. Uh, how can people um, get in touch with you if they'd like? Ah. Uh, um, I do have, <clears throat> you know, this last night before going to bed, I deactivated Facebook, I deactivated Instagram and, you know, it's a beautiful marketing tool for me to put myself out there. But I also real, I also have to realize that my personal practice takes precedence and it's, um, priority over everything. Um, so obviously this is very temporarily I'll, I'll definitely come back but I just wanted to give myself like you know two to two to three weeks of just no worrying about social media no worrying about um any content posting just really want to focus on my practice um this last night you did this I did <laughs> this last night <laughs> it just came to me I was just laying down about to go to sleep I was like you know what because you know what I do this every year like since 2016 I believe or 2017 Every year, um, for three to six months, I always deactivate my social media. And those moments have those moments where I don't have my social media have become such profound moments for my practice because there's so much. There's such a the this. I mean, social media truly is distracting. Um, and I don't care who you are, unless if you have a discipline of a. I don't know. I don't even know what to what to compare it to, but you really, I mean, I go through process where, you know, I'm off it for three to six months. You know, when I come back in, you know, I check it maybe like once a week, right? And gradually that turns to two times a week, three times a week, four times a week, five times a week. And before you know it, it's six times a day. You know, it's just like you slowly get caught up in it and you don't even realize that it's happening. It's so- That's what it's made to do. It's, it's made yeah. for that. Yeah. It's so insidious. It's so tricky. Um, so yes, last night I was just like, I don't know. It just came over me because I haven't done it last. I haven't usually I do it, um, end of the prior year into the beginning of the new year, but I haven't done it, um, <clears throat> from 2020 into 2021. So last night I was just like, you know what? I just need to give myself a break. So I will come back to it, um, in a few weeks, but yes, um, <clears throat> I do have a website, um, it's called um, bodyorientedhealing.com, and there is a way to contact me from there. Um, you can also contact me via um, email. My email is oyame, O-Y-A-M-I-E, period, K, period, M, at gmail.com. And... Um, both my Instagram name and Facebook name is my spiritual name, which is Oyami Kali Maat. Um, for Instagram is Oyami, O-Y-A-M-I-E underscore Kali, K-A-L-I underscore Maat, M-A-A-T. Cool. And yeah. we'll, put, we'll put that in the uh, show notes too. Should I tell people about my spiritual name? Because a lot of people ask me about it. People always ask me, oh, what does your name mean? What does your name mean? So that you think it's appropriate to kind of just... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah? Okay. Um, I don't even know what time it is. Okay, we have time. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I never started this practice um, with the intention of, of having a spiritual name. Um, I was not interested in it whatsoever. Um, but I think... It first started for me in 2015. I was doing a um, an ancestral meditation practice, and we were like just doing this semantic journeying where we were going deep down um, through our ancestral roots and kind of you know tuning in with our ancestors and asking them questions that we 
we um, we wanted to know. Um, I don't really remember what my particular question at the time was, but I do. What I do remember is when we were coming back out of um, of the practice, um, right at the cusp of when I was about to exit, this figure um, just appeared to me. Right? It's, it was. Um, was wind blowing her hair, wind blowing her clothes. Um, she was surrounded by the color purple, just very powerful feminine figure. And she was staring at me like dead in my eyes. And usually things like that I freaks me out, you know, but I guess because I was in a meditation, that's the thing I could do. So I just remember also staring back at her, just feeling her sense of power, her sense of fierceness, um, her sense of dominance, but at the same time, this sense of like gentleness to her, like she was there to care for me and stuff like that. So she's, she's looking at me, I'm looking at her, and I literally remember saying this to myself, I'm not scared of you. If you're going to look at me, I'm going to look at you too, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> because normally when I'm doing my meditations, I'll have these, I'll have like these uh, visual images of things and I will, you know, come out of my meditation right then and there because I'm just like, oh God, am I dying? What's happening? I don't know what's going on. Why am I seeing these things? Um, but in that moment, I wasn't fearful. So when we came out of the meditation, uh, we had to go around the circle and share with the group what our experience was like. And um, <clears throat> I had shared with the group what had happened with me with having this figure appear to me. And um, a young lady in the group was like, hmm, um, my family is um, Cuban. And we... Um, we we have a deity um, that we pray to, um, and how we refer to her as Yansa, right? Y A N S A Yansa. She so was like the energy and the colors that you've described um, to me is telling me is her. She so was like, you might want to Google her and kind of um, learn a little bit about her. I was like, oh, okay, I totally will do that. So, and I, I ended up doing just that and came to find out um, this particular deity is a West African um, goddess named Oya. Um, she is the goddess of wind. She is the goddess of destruction. Um, she is also the goddess of transformation, um, the goddess of rebirth. And she's also the goddess um, of, uh, of the afterlife. So if someone is, um, if people pass on and they transition into um, the next life, she kind of guides them to that. She's the gatekeeper of the cemetery. So when I read this, I was like, oh, no, I'm not interested. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> you know, because, again, my when I, when I first came into this practice, it was not about deity. It wasn't about goddess. It wasn't about this. It wasn't about that. For me, it was how can I stop my mind from just talking so much so that for one night I can just be able to go to sleep. My insomnia was so bad because my mind just wouldn't shut up, you know, so I had no interest in any of this stuff. But funny enough, the more I continue to meditate, the more I feel her energy around me, like so much so that sometimes like when I meditate, <clears throat> I can see my whole entire body glowing in the color purple. So it eventually just got to a point where I just have to tell myself, okay, you need to listen because there's clearly something here. There's something coming up um, with this with this particular energy, with this particular deity, with this particular figure. You need to listen. And the more I listen, the more I realize I am her. Like, she is me. You know, she's showing me who I am. She's showing me what my purpose is. You know, going back to purpose again, she's showing me what my purpose in this life is. She's showing me how I am to help um, people find themselves through their darkness, you know. And the more I listened, the more she kept guiding me and showing me and showing me and showing me. So that's where the name Oya um, came from. Ami is my own given birth name, right? And um, I was born and raised um, Islam. So Amina is the name of 
Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and my name comes from her name Ami, which um, means to speak with truth, to speak with truth, or to speak honestly. So I didn't want to forget Ami in my process because Ami has gone through a lot. <laughs> She has gone through a lot of darkness. She has gone through a lot of pain. She had been through. She has been through it. So for me, it was important for me to not forget her. You know, mm. it was very important for me to honor her and honor what she what she been through to give us the chance and the opportunity to be here. So I put those two names together because I figured through Oya, Ami will be able to speak her truth. Ami will be able to show up and be real and to help others to also find their truth and also find their strength. You know? Um, and then I, love, I, love, I love the balance of, of yeah. that, of combining <laughs> them. That feels like a really good idea to yeah. me. Because, you know, it's important to remember kind of where we came from and yeah. use those experiences that we've been given, gifted with um, yeah. at the same time, right? To be aware that if I get too trapped up in who I was before, right. then I might not step forward into who I might be able to become. Exactly. So it's a, it's a, it's a like you said, it's a balance of then and now. Right. And then Kali, I don't really want to get too much into Kali because I think Kali is some someone that um, a lot of us are familiar with. But for me, the Kali energy and um, the energy of Oya are very similar. I actually think they are one and the same, um, except for just very small, minute differences. Um, they are just just this powerful mother figures that just, you know, it, in, in Hinduism or, you know, in yoga, we always, a lot of people refer to Kali energy as dark energy. I'm like, no, Kali energy is the most loving energy there is, you know. See, if you really think about your own journey and your own transformation, you have to go through the darkness in order to make it to the light, right? That's just the process of healing. So the Kali energy, very similar to the Oya energy, is they bring a lot of destruction in your life, <laughs> You know, they bring a lot of darkness in your life, but that is to get you to wake up. That is to get you to listen, right? Because you can only withstand the pain for so long before you tell yourself enough is enough, I'm done. And in that moment is when trans true transformation begins. And both of those women stand for transformation, right? To transform you from your darkness into the light. You know, so they're very, very powerful. Um, and Ma'at, another strong, powerful goddess. Um, she's not only a goddess, but she's also um, a, a principle um, to live by, right? In the Egyptian culture um, or, or in the Egyptian mythology, Ma'at is the, the personification of balance, Ma'at is the personification of love. Ma'at is the personification of virtue. Ma'at is the state where we are all striving for, right? Mm. The mythology of Ma'at is um, when a person dies in, in Egyptian mythology, right? They will take your heart, place it on a, on a, on a scale, and they take a feather, right? Ma'at feather, and then place it... Um, on the other side of the scale. So the goal is your heart, you're supposed to live your life with so much love in your heart, with such a light heart that when you wear your heart against the feather, the feather should be heavier than the mm. heart. And just that goes, that will go to show that you have lived this life mm. the right way. And my art also stands for truth. So it's like my name, truth, my attitude. So it's just like, it's like a, a double power. You know, you have two powerful goddesses for transformation and you have two powerful names for truth. And for me, 
this work that I'm doing is about truth, you know, and I don't want the truth that I'm sharing to come from a book. I want the truth that I'm sharing to come from my lived experience mm. because I feel like that is the place where we are able to connect with humans on a level that's beyond comprehension. I don't want to sit here and tell you a textbook definition of X, Y, and Z because you can find that yourself. But you will not be able to hear my life experience anywhere else except through me, you know. So I think, again, going back to the place of vulnerability, I think if we can, each of us on our own time, obviously, um, if we can access that place of vulnerability and show up with that, holding the vulnerability in our heart, oh, my God. Mm. <laughs> oh, there's so much we could do. Like, so much, so much, so much. But I know it takes time. I know it takes time, and I know um, we'll all get there eventually. So till then... We will do. To all of you. <laughs> we will do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So that's my name. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Um, and thank you for, for being my friend. On thank this you journey. for being my friend. Yes. Yeah. So Avi is literally one of the first people that I have connected with when I first moved here in 2017. So um, and it's been amazing ever since, you know, and he has a lot of wisdom and a lot of knowledge. So he's definitely someone that I seek a lot of advice from. Um, and he's, he's deeply understanding and I'm grateful for his friendship and for your presence and just being here and just keeping the balance, um, with everything. So yeah, grateful. Thank you. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your sincerity, oh, um, you. and watching you step forward. Uh, and how important it is for you to be authentic. It's yeah. inspiring. It is, yeah. There's no other way. There's no other way. That's so. right. There's no other yeah. way. Mm. <laughs> Much love. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. See you soon. Om Shanti. Om. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this content and think others might as well, please feel free to share and subscribe.